Hey everyone, welcome to episode 117 of the End Focus podcast. I'm your host, Andy Corrigan. Uh, with me is Andrew Brown. Hello. Um, we're also joined by Tori Wassenaar, who we're delighted to say is uh, now a regular member of the show. Welcome, Tori. Thank you for having me. What the hell have you got yourself into? I don't know, but... <laughs> Uh, so this week we're going to talk uh, a little bit more about Liberated. We're going to cover the Pokemon uh, Directs because we dropped the Pokeball on that last week. Uh, we're going to talk about the next Animal Crossing update, uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer. Uh, we're also going to talk about Duke Nukem 3D, Ruiner. And with that, let's get on with updates from the previous episode. Okay, so my update from the previous episode is I, I finished Liberated last week. I think I said that I was enjoying the story and the, the art style and everything, but I felt like it was pretty boring to play. Um, now that I've finished it, I'm sorry to say it just wasn't a very good game. Uh, so the it's partly a platformer, partly a side-scrolling shooter. Uh, the environment traversal gets more boring as it goes along. They just straight up just put you in you know going left to right just mowing down whatever comes your way uh the, it gives you two gameplay mechanics stealth and gunplay neither are broken but neither are particularly fun it's just a bit boring uh when you shoot at enemies they just run at you until they die and it's just a race to see who gets the most bullets the plot uh which i talked about was the most interesting thing that disappointed me at the end so like it as I indicated last week, it's an interesting lens for some of the things that are happening right now, especially in 2020, in terms of, you know, conservative fascist governments, fake news, all that sort of thing. Uh, but it only kind of references these things and, and never actually says anything with it. Uh, in fact, at the end, I, it felt like it was just building to this big point that it just never makes and then just ends. So it, it acknowledges that all these things happen and takes it to the extreme but it, it never it never picks a side because uh, and, and in the game you sort of oh, play no. both sides of the law as well so it's just massively disappointing uh, all around and uh, as I said last week this was one of my most anticipated indies this year uh, sadly I don't recommend it um, maybe if you pick it up cheap it's a uh, you know took me about four hours the game takes place over four issues uh if you just want something to chip away at it's not offensively bad just with with the the strength of the uh storytelling at the beginning it just doesn't deliver on any of the promise and the gameplay is just neither here nor there uh yeah so that's that i don't think anyone else has any updates from the previous episode so we'll just jump straight into the news Okay, yeah. Uh, so, the Pokemon Directs. Last week, of course, we did forget to mention Pokemon Snap, or new Pokemon Snap. Uh, this is a game that I've seen lots of people say would be perfect on Switch, and now it's coming. Looks interesting. I've played like the original for 10 minutes. I picked it up secondhand uh, last year, uh, <laughs> and I liked what I played. So I'm looking forward to playing a high-def version of that uh, built for Switch. Have you played the original, Andrew? Many, many times, because it's it's a game you can beat in about three hours. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> as 
a kid with not many games to play and a big Pokemon fan, I just beat the game over and over and over, which <laughs> uh, I guess kept me entertained. Uh, it's an interesting game where y you go along these prescribed courses, taking pictures of Pokemon. Everything is scripted, and you get points for the quality of your pictures, you know, depending upon whether the Pokemon is in frame, whether it's facing the camera, you get bonus points if it's doing something special, and that was usually the most interesting part of the game was trying to solve little puzzles by throwing uh, apples or these items called pester balls, which would, you know, annoy the Pokemon with like a, a bad smell, I think is how it worked, or there was also the Poke Flute, <laughs> uh, and all these different items would make the Pokemon on screen do different things, and it was just trying to get the best point total that you could which it was an interesting concept but it was on the nintendo 64 so it, it was <laughs> it was very limited in what it was actually capable of doing so i'm interested to play it on switch on more powerful hardware i really hope that it's not on tracks again if it's on tracks i'm going to be really disappointed <laughs> but uh uh I love Pokemon Snap, and I, I am excited to play a new one. Yeah, it's basically a, an on-rail shooter, but you're shooting photos instead of bullets, um, which would make a very different game. Uh, Tori, any interest in this one? I am interested. Um, I didn't own a Nintendo 64 when I was growing up, but I did play this, I think it was in the Wii U Virtual Console. Hmm. So I've, I've played like an hour or two of it on there and really liked it. So it's, it's really interesting because it's, what, a thousand... Also, Pokemon now. There's a lot they can do with, with the updated hardware and a bigger selection of Pokemon and biomes and things like that. I think. Uh, and sorry, yeah. At the end of that direct, they also uh, hyped up uh, that they were making an another announcement this week. Uh, the Pokemon in the background of the original direct were all Johto Pokemon, so everyone was getting excited for Let's Go Johto. Uh, unfortunately, they announced a MOBA instead pokemon unite is that the one yeah yeah uh i went to sleep before the the direct happened and then i woke up and there was just no hype about it whatsoever so i gathered it wasn't what anyone wanted um i don't know why they saved it for a separate announcement but uh yeah i think are you two moba fans at all no i'm certainly not andrew you've played a few I like MOBAs, I uh, just I don't have time for them, <laughs> so uh, I, I'm definitely going to give this a look, but I don't think I'm going to spend any more time playing this one than I've spent playing any other one. Is it free to start, did they say? Yeah. It's free, uh, quotation mark. Yeah. <laughs> I would be shocked if Nintendo made a MOBA that wasn't free, or Tencent is making it too, so, and it's on hmm. multi-platform Switch and Android and iPhone. So if it's not free to play, free to start, however you want to call it, I would be shocked. <laughs> as soon as I saw what it was, I figured it'd be a free to play game. But uh, yeah, I, I don't have much interest. This it's just not my genre. So uh, let's move on to Animal Crossing news. So they announced the summer update. I don't think we're getting this for a while down down under. Um, but in Andrew's region, they'll get it around July third. Uh, introduces swimming and diving, which sounds really cool. Also introducing Pascal the Otter, so you can trade scallops for new items. Uh, new furniture sets themed around this, and new museum 
donations, which uh, makes me cringe because I'm still like one fossil off finishing the dinosaur museum and it's not forthcoming and all the other uh, elements are neglected because of that. Uh, and Gulliver's getting a pirate makeover. Has he done that before? I don't think so. Not in this game at least, but I don't remember <laughs> him in the other game. Uh, I wonder what that's about. Uh, so I know uh, myself and Andrew are still playing Animal Crossing pretty much every day. Are you still playing it, Toro? I log in every now and then, but yeah, not much to come back to for me at the moment. We usually save our uh, village updates, which we've been doing every so often, uh, towards the end of the show, but, you know, it's uh, Animal Crossing news. Let's just check in on all of our islands. Today I just fully paid off the house. Finally, so now I can feel better about putting my bills towards other island projects, like relocating my villages to the places I want. So it's sort of stagnated as I've just been single-minded in getting this final mortgage paid off. Uh, Andrew, how's your redevelopment coming? Well, today was the 100th day of playing, apparently, so Hmm. I haven't missed a day yet. So we must be 100 days since the release of the game, which I can't believe it's been 100 days already. <laughs> and I'm still using the, the island designer tool to develop my island. I just do one small thing a day. That way I don't get you know caught up in playing Animal Crossing for 20 hours <laughs> designing yeah. my island and just getting sick of it. But it's coming along. I, I'm, I'm getting close to being done, and I guess I'm going to have to have some kind of party or something <laughs> once it is done <laughs> i just leave my gate open all day so people can just come and just <laughs> look at at all the hard work i've done on my island making it pretty and and organized it's a, it's a lot more organized than most people's islands are yeah i could tell you you'd be an organized person uh <laughs> uh Tori, how's how's yours? What's the state it's in? It's pretty much done layout-wise. I've, I've got like a sort of street layout for all of my villager houses mm-hmm. and uh, all the shops. And I've got a big uh, floral garden that I still need to finish up growing all the different flowers. But yeah, I just check in to do the weeds every now and then so I don't get overwhelmed by that. Nice. My, my flowers are just running out of control now. I move them to one area just to get them out of the way while I finish developing something and now there's just more of them and I think they're sentient and <laughs> try and take over my villages, pod villages or things like that um, yeah actually I've been to your island haven't I I think so, came over, yeah. came over for turnip prices, of course yes, that was good fun uh, probably changed a bit since then little bit <laughs> um, oh, and they also said Sorry, I missed this off. There's going to be another update coming in August. Uh, no news on what that is just yet. I'm pleased it's still getting supported this much uh, already. Uh, I hadn't even thought of them just, you know, regularly updating it with new seasonal stuff. But uh, yeah, I've been pretty happy with it so far. Uh, did either of you bother much with the wedding stuff? I did like a couple of days and then gave up. Yeah, I did like one day. Wedding stuff is not my thing. <laughs> <laughs> I did it for like three weeks because I really wanted the furniture, so <laughs> I had the complete set. Yeah, I, I started doing it for that, and I was like, where the hell am I going to put this on my island? Like, I have no theme for it. So I, I, I got the cake, and then I, I bailed. Um, I think I yeah. saw today that the um, commemorative plate, you can actually read the back of it. Oh, wow. I'll have to look at that. I just stuck it on a shelf. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, turn it around and then read it. Turn it back around. Oh, nice. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, so that's uh, the news. Uh, still slow, of course, with uh, COVID still restricting a lot of Nintendo's developers. And yeah, I, I'm sure we would have had a big direct at this point had been had things been more normal. But alas, not to be. Yeah, so let's move on to what we've been playing. Okay, sadly, uh, I haven't played much else apart from XCOM Liberated uh, and Animal Crossing. Uh, I got a new toy this week, so that's been taking up my time. I got a new drawing tablet, and that's been a lot of fun. Um, But Andrew, you've been playing something that I was definitely interested in, because I still own it on N64. I think I own it on PC as well, actually, but uh, Star Wars Episode One Racer. Now this is (laughs) podracing.jpg. How are you finding it? Uh, It's... it's mostly the game that I remember. Uh, this is a game actually I had and was playing concurrently to Pokemon Snap. It was one of the few games I owned, so I would constantly erase my save file and start from scratch, so the game felt a lot longer than it actually was. I was actually surprised how quickly I got through this game. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but Star Wars Episode One Racer is based off the pod racing sequence in The Phantom Menace, which is maybe the one scene in the movie that nobody hates. So, <laughs> uh, I, I didn't like it. I thought it was cheesy. Thanks, Andy. There's not much to like in that film, but <laughs> <laughs> there are three good things in the Phantom Menace: the pod racing scene, Duel of the Fates, and Liam Neeson. But anyway, <laughs> yes. in this game, you will choose your pod racer, including Anakin Skywalker, Yippee, and you go across <laughs> the Star Wars galaxy to all these different planets, competing in pod races. Now, if you've never actually seen Star Wars, uh, Episode 1, a pod racer, is two engines that are connected by an energy coil tied to a pilot's pod with two long metal cables. That is... Yeah, it's kind of like an engine-drawn sled, isn't it? Yeah, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a... Uh, <laughs> I've never thought of it that way before, but that's almost exactly what it is. <laughs> it's a sled drawn by two engines that goes... At the start of the game, you're going about 500 miles per hour. By the end of the game, you're going about twice that if you've got all your parts upgraded. Um, so you're going pretty dang fast, and it's got drifting and... Actually, honestly, I never used drifting. (laughs) Brake is fine for getting around corners. But drifting is there. And also, the main real gimmick in the game, aside from, you know, just its premise, is the turbo feature. If you're able to hold forward on the joystick for a few seconds, then you can charge up this turbo meter. If it gets filled all the way, then you can press A, and then your pod will go even faster, except it can't turn. <laughs> so you gotta make sure that you're not crashing into walls because, you know, you're this tiny little pod attached to two giant jet engines. Uh, so it's pretty easy to crash into walls and blow yourself up. And that can damage your pod. But you can repair mid-race as well, which briefly slows down your pod, but also uh, makes it run better, so <laughs> that way you don't explode. Now you go across the galaxy, and there are all different kinds of planets. There's Tatooine, I think, is the most recognizable planet, but there's other planets that have been mentioned in the films or were 
completely original. Like there's Malastare, which is this swamp planet with a lot of methane gases, and Uvu 4, which is an asteroid prison. Ordebano, which is kind of like uh, the gas planet from Empire Strikes Back. And Aquilaris, which is an ocean planet, you know, it, it's Star Wars, so every planet has exactly one environment on it and no others, <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> uh, the courses evolve and grow longer, uh, rather than, you know, e- each course on each planet being unique, they utilize the same features, like the big gorge appears in most of the snow levels on the snow planet, and when you go to the later courses, the level gets longer and incorporates new features, but it's still recognizable as the old one, so it's sort of like remixing each course. And the levels get super long, like the last course, which is the Boon to Eve classic, which is the, uh, that's the race from the movie. That is a seven minutes to eight minute long race. It's pretty dang long, really. Uh, it's not nearly as long as I, I used to think it was. Uh, that felt like quite the undertaking when I played it on the Nintendo 64, but it didn't feel as long now, but it does, it's still longer than most racing games that I that I can think of. Now, the, the most interesting thing about the courses is that if you do take the time to go just off the beaten path, you can usually find shortcuts that will provide a more interesting course through it and can quite often cut off very long stretches. You can usually save yourself about 30 seconds of time by finding these hidden shortcuts. Uh, the only problem is the map in the game is pretty bad. It's literally a green ant trail drawn on a black screen. Uh, it's it's hard to follow, especially with usually how fast you're going. I think that might be one of my biggest criticisms of the game is the map is very limited. It could be a lot better than it is, especially on the new hardware. Uh, but it is what it is. This is a very faithful port uh, in terms of content and visuals. Now, as you're playing through the game, it's got a tournament structure uh, where you do each race in order, and if you can place first in the race and you beat the local track favorite, then you will unlock that pod to use anywhere else in the game you want to. Now, the, the main problem with this is Anakin Skywalker is actually one of the best pod racers, if not the best pod racer in the game statistically. You start off with him at the start, so you unlock all these characters, but most of them are worse <laughs> so that's a problem but um but when you're playing the tournament mode you also win crew guts which is the currency in the game there are three different kinds of ways that you can play each level uh, there's fair skilled and winner take all and that determines how much money you get for each ranking and i've read that it also determines the difficulty, but I've never actually felt like the game is any harder or any easier depending upon how you play it. And I've also felt that there's really no point in playing anything other than winner-take-all because unless you do take winner-take-all, you're not going to earn enough money to buy all the best parts. But you can take your money over to Watto's shop and you can buy parts either brand new, but again, this goes back to not having enough money. Uh, If you do that route, you're not going to be able to buy parts because the brand new parts are very expensive Uh, but what you can do is you can head on over to the junkyard which has a random assortment of parts which are damaged Uh, so you can buy them at a significant discount 
you can also buy pit droids from WADA who after every race will repair your parts and the better a part is repaired the better statistically it will perform on your pod but you can only have four pit droids max and there's a lot more than four parts I think there's actually eight categories of parts maybe it's only seven uh, so if you do particularly bad on a race there's going to be something that your pit droids just can't fix so you're just going to have to deal with the next race with that part broken which I think is a pretty interesting system. And the best part about the junkyard is since everything is random, even at the very start of the game, when you visit there, you can potentially find the best part in the game. Uh, so that was how I, I played through on this time, was I just played every course on winner take all, and then I just kept visiting the junkyard until Watto had the parts I needed. I had the best parts for my pod before I was into the last tournament. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> but... I've played this game many times, I really know what I'm doing, so yeah, just find a guide online and look at what the best parts are and just keep hitting the junkyard until you get what you need. As to the port itself, uh, it does update everything to HD graphics, but it didn't remaster anything, so this wasn't the best looking game even on the Nintendo 64. Uh, the terrain textures are particularly bad, very low resolution and they've just reinflated them so they look even worse than they already did but I do think the pods actually look pretty good they look pretty clean now but a lot of the tricks that the original game used that wasn't really noticeable in SD to uh, save on resources they're a lot more noticeable now like Anakin Skywalker is just a torso stuck into his pod you can <laughs> clearly see he doesn't have any legs it's kind of terrifying <laughs> kind of spoilers isn't it yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's okay, everybody knows he becomes a cyborg Frankenstein, but anyway. <laughs> and on some of the more detailed pods, when they get further away from you, parts of the pods actually disappear, and then they reappear when you get closer. Again, this was hidden in standard definition. It's very visible now in HD. And the big selling point on this for me was that it has motion controls. It was the first thing shown in the trailer on the eShop was it has motion controls, and then when the game launched, there were no motion controls. They had to patch them in a couple days later. And mm -hmm. then I finally switched them on, uh, which took a while because they're kind of buried in an option menu, which you can only access uh, at the beginning of each race, not from the main menu where option menus go. But anyway, I couldn't figure out how they worked at first. I, I put a video up on Twitter of me trying to play with the motion controls on. I couldn't figure out how to turn left, and I kept turning right, and I wasn't sure why. Finally, I figured out, this is how the motion controls work. If you hold the Joy-Cons neutrally straight in front of you, you'll go straight. If you want to turn left, you have to point the left Joy-Con up and the right Joy-Con down, and opposite for turning right, which is not at all how the pod racer controls work in the movie. It's not at all how they worked in the arcade version of this game. It's a very confusing setup. Um, it doesn't even work very well. It, it makes a sense. It makes, I guess, a sense. I guess it's like a <laughs> throttle. But yeah, it's not how I would expect it to to run for sure. Yeah, um, I, I played less than one race, and I was like, yeah, forget this. This is a bust. But <laughs> the rest of the game runs great. Like they've they have redone the controls since there's a lot more buttons on modern controllers than in the Nintendo 64 had, and uh, I didn't 
play it on Dreamcast or PC. I don't know how it ran on there, but uh, I do feel that the new controls work really well for it, and I was really happy with it, how it handled on a standard controller, so I, I wasn't that hacked off about it, but if all you're interested in is for the motion controls, I think you're going to be let down <laughs> by by what's there. And uh, people know me, I don't play online all that much, but I would imagine other people being disappointed this doesn't have any online support. There's no online multiplayer, there's no online leaderboards for time trials, so I, I think that's worth mentioning, even though I just played the game just to get all the parts and beat all the races. I did that. I'm perfectly happy with it. Uh, it's definitely one I'm interested in revisiting. Uh, how much was that? F- 15 US. US. It's not too bad. Yeah, maybe when I finish Burnout, I'll, I'll grab it. Yeah, on the graphics, even the, the PC version with the you know the resolutions that can reach, it still looks like an N64 game running on PC. So, yeah, I think it'll be pretty much the same there. Tori, you played this one before, or...? Maybe Any interest? once when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, I've been thinking of picking this one up. So yeah, uh, so I recommend uh, unless you're into motion controls and online support. Uh, so let's move on. Uh, now I have not picked this up yet. I think I might because it's like half price at the moment. Uh, but I've played it heaps, plenty of times before. So Duke uh, Nukem 3D. Uh, this time it's the 20th anniversary World Tour edition. Oh, what is there to say about Jute Nukem? Um, I can safely say that the humour doesn't really hold up anymore, unless you're very primitive. Um, even back when I played it originally, and that definitely was on PS1, um, it was still like, oh, you're like really obvious, dumb, childish humour. Uh, how's that in... 2020, Andrew. That was my main concern going into this, especially with some of the stuff that was in Duke Nukem Forever. I haven't played all of Duke Nukem 3D yet, but what was there, it didn't bother me too much. It's it's definitely, you know, not very progressive. It's not particularly enlightened by modern standards or even by 90s standards, but at the same time, we've seen a lot worse since, so it, this feels this feels quite quaint now. <laughs> you know, like the first level is set in a strip club, and that's the yeah, joke. Like, like that, that, that's, look, look, strippers. That, that's lol. the entire joke. Yeah, I'm like <laughs> you can tip them and they'll pull down their tops, but there's nothing to see. They're they're wearing pasties. But anyway, <laughs> this was. Uh, edgy stuff in the 90s and now like after especially after games like Grand Theft Auto it's like big deal <laughs> like this is on a Nintendo yeah. system they're not even trying to restrict people buying it on the eShop this is pretty tame stuff and it really mm-hmm. uh, not not to say it's beyond criticism but it just doesn't even feel worth going after <laughs> it's not worth the energy <laughs> with what else is out there to complain about anymore uh, but as to the game itself this feels way ahead of what I was expecting and what I remembered playing of it in mm-hmm. the 90s. Like, uh, This is a port, it's given modern standards, so it's got full modern FPS controls. I'm talking That's dual good. joystick movement, and I played this a bit on PC uh, in the 90s. I don't remember ever controlling the game with this level of three dimensions, like uh, like Move, looking up and down and aiming up and down. I don't remember ever interacting with the game that way. I played this game like it was Doom. 
Uh, maybe I was just a really bad Duke Nukem 3D player back then, <laughs> but it it definitely had the up and down mm. axis because it was uh, it took me ages to get used to mm. on uh, on PS1 after playing. Duke. Okay, I was I was <laughs> probably just a terrible Duke Nukem player in the 90s then. <laughs> Uh, this this plays like a modern FPS. The level design is actually very much like a modern FPS. Uh, this I got it here in the notes. Feels way ahead of its time with the, especially the destructible environments. Uh, I, I mm-hmm. laugh when games today complain about oh it's destructible environments. It's like See, yeah here's Duke Nukem 3D. It was doing this 20 years ago. What else you got? <laughs> and it's got a lot of interactable things in the environment like. Like I just mentioned, the first level set in a strip club. There's all kinds of things that you can turn on and off in there. Uh, with mm-hmm. uh, out <laughs> leaving the the our family friendly usual tone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just don't go in the yeah. booths if you if you're under eighteen. <laughs> Lots of buttons and puzzles. Like you know, Doom had buttons, but they were just buttons that opened doors or opened up walls. This ones are like buttons that actually make sense in the context of what you're looking at. And you can use them to open up force fields or to activate other things. And the buttons are toggleable. They turn on and off. I'm not expecting anybody to be impressed by this today, but I'm just saying from when this game was made and the games that it was contemporary to, this feels far more advanced than those games. This game feels 10 years ahead of what those games were doing. Uh, and other interactable objects like... Uh, there's a lot of things that when you shoot them, things will happen, like the fire extinguishers will explode, and quite often this goes into the destructible walls that usually reveals hidden things behind them, or just getting into the next room other than going through the door. Uh, as for the port, there are two graphic options. Uh, I'm sure I gave people a headache in the first hour video I made for our YouTube video because I kept switching between them trying to figure out which was the original and which is the updated because I really can't tell. (laughs) (laughs) They just look like lighting differences. Um, But one of them I I think is supposed to be true to the original graphics and the other one is is updated in some way. Uh, But again, I I couldn't really tell which was which. and my, my favorite feature in this, I had mixed feelings about this at first, but the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, because when I beat Doom and Doom 2 on Switch earlier this year, I, I save scummed the heck out of it. I just quick saved Same. every few seconds. <laughs> uh, when you die in this game, it actually brings up a replay of your entire level, and you can scroll through it and go right back to any point of your playthrough of that level that you want. Uh, so most of the time when I die now, I just back up 10 seconds so that way I can go around the corner different, so that way I know it's there, or just don't blow up what I blew up, or don't solve the puzzle the way I solved it so that way I don't get crushed, whatever it was that happened. I really like that feature. I think it's a really smart addition. Uh, so Yeah, that was, that was on the Vita version as mm-hmm. well, which is the one I last played. So. Yeah, so... I don't have to remember to quick save now because now when I die I can just rewind to any point in the level I want. I really like that feature mm-hmm. and how I beat Doom was by save scumming. I think this is a better option to save scumming. <laughs> I approve of it. Uh, <laughs> I was worried about how I was going to react to Duke Nukem 3D. Like the humor feels quite quaint now and uh, as it, like the, as far as the game design goes it feels way far ahead of what I was expecting. Uh, I'm enjoying this port so far. Yeah, undoubtedly a classic. Um, I'm, I'm glad to, to hear it's got the, you know, the two stick controls that that makes it more enjoyable. Uh, Tori, any 
experience with Duke Nukem 3D? I've never played a Duke Nukem game, but my first first-person shooter was made by it was Ken's Labyrinth by Ken Silverstein, who coded the engine for this game. Mm. So that's as connected as I get. Yeah. I'm much more of a Doom person than a Duke Nukem person, I think. Yeah, I, lo- I love both. Um, any multiplayer in this one, Andrew? Yeah, yeah, there is multiplayer options, but I, I didn't really look at them. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. My, my, my first experience with uh, multiplayer shooters was this, uh, when my mate brought his PlayStation and copy over, and we did the, the link up, and, uh, you know, carried the big CRT television from my room downstairs so we could play, and then... Uh, like all those interactable elements that you're talking about like he was searching for me went into the cinema toilet and i spotted him went in and i was just like flicking the light switch on and off (laughs) freaking him out and stuff it's it's good fun multiplayer that um yeah definitely recommend it i can't imagine there'd be many people playing it you know even on switch um but yeah it's just uh it's dumb fun it's it's not you know a uh, particularly good competitive shooter or anything. It's just, you know, dumb, dumb fun and a bit of a playground. Uh, yeah. Uh, cool. So that's uh, Duke Nukem. Uh, I think I'm going to get that while it's still half price. Hopefully it still is. Uh, until um, July 7th, I think it said. So you still got time. Nice. Uh, yeah, I think I'll pick that up. Uh, and uh, Tori, uh, first time on the show as a regular, and you've, you've already got. Uh, something on the list here, so you've been playing Ruiner? Ruiner, yes. So it's a uh, Devolver Digital published game. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't have that same sort of quirky feel to a lot of, you know, how Devolver is kind of the, the wild card publisher for indies. Yeah. Yeah, Ruiner is very dark, cyberpunky. Uh, it's a twin stick shooter. So the first thing that will stand out to you when you play it is just the color red everything (laughs) is red because usually in cyberpunk it's like neon pinks and purples and everything this is just it's kind of like red and black there are other colors but it's that very dark grungy sort of cyberpunk feel Mm -hmm. Uh, it throws you right into the gameplay as well Uh, like I said twin stick shooter it is kind of hard to play on the controller because the right stick is really Sensitive. It's not as good as a because mouse. It, no, because I did play this on PC, and it was still hard on PC, but you could aim a bit better with the mouse. But um, it's the sort of aiming where it uses the 360 degrees of the right stick. So if you point it straight up, it aims straight up. It, it matches it, which is really hard to get down to like minute movements. That's probably... And it's like that on all the consoles, and that's probably like the the biggest drawback on playing on a console. But is it uh, if it's on PC? Is it still a twin stick shooter? Uh, <laughs> it's technically. Is, is it a one mouse shooter? It's a one mouse shooter with WASD, <laughs> I guess. <laughs> cool. So it's uh, you said it's pretty challenging. It so, is quite challenging. It doesn't pull any punches, but. It's one of the games where dying doesn't really give you too much of a hard time. It just kind of throws you back in. Um, level design structure is basically you've got a kind of kill box arena connected to a hot corridor to the next one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, now, all I've ever seen of this is the the art of the uh, you know mean Daft Punk looking man. <laughs> yeah, with, with his mask. That's who you play as. Yes. So he doesn't really have a name, but the the character that kind of gives you the motivation calls you Puppy. She's like a, okay. a hacker girl, and her name is just her, of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, the the overall plot of the game is basically you're a very heavily cyborged human being, and you're kind of being manipulated by all these different people, you know, through programming. So it kind of touches on free will in a sense. Mm. And um, this hacker kind of breaks free that control. So you kind of get yourself back a bit and uh, she tells you that your brother is being held captive and you have to go save him by killing all the people that uh, did this to you. Uh, anything in terms of like upgrade trees or like what's, what's the progression system or is it just the levels? No, there is a, uh, like a sort of progress tree in a sense. You've got different abilities mapped to different buttons. So like B button might be support abilities so you can heal yourself or... Um, I can't remember the other ones. I haven't got that far into the game yet. Hmm. But yeah, there's like a dash and you can upgrade your dash. But you can only have one ability set per button. So you can have like a shield or you can... Instead of the shield, you can have something that's a bit more offensive. I I tend to not play around with skill trees too much. So that's why I don't know (laughs) what too many of them (laughs) are. I'm pretty happy with like the default skills that it gives you. Yeah, I definitely have that. I definitely have that thing in some games where I get used to the default abilities, and then the skill tree just kind of messes my head. Yeah, <laughs> I've had that with a couple of games. Yeah, it's a bit of a pain because there's so much that the game can offer, but it it trickles it to you so slowly that you kind of get used to the base and trying new things means that you die a lot more because the difficulty does ramp up very quickly. Mm-hmm. But it is a lot of fun just it's one of those games where you can kind of switch your brain off a little bit and just start going around shooting things there's a little bit of like world building around it all as well like each level has its own theme but because of that kind of black and red color scheme it is kind of hard to pick out specific areas as like unique like the first one set in the um, parking garage and then the second level is set in a like a factory but other than just knowing that, there's nothing that really distinguishes the two that much, which is a bit of a no. shame. So it's literally two-turn. Um, yeah. So you've played it on PC before? Yes. Playing it on Switch now? Yep. How's it run? How's it look? Um, fine. It, it's like a top-down isometric sort of game, so if there was a big visual downgrade, you probably wouldn't really be able to tell unless you were really looking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't really figured it out because I've mainly played handheld so it probably is 30 FPS on there but it, it runs smooth I haven't had any hitches or anything Nice. just long load times but I think a lot of Switch ports kind of have that issue yeah I think, I think that's the Switch issue um, yeah it's one I keep seeing mentioned a lot uh, and I've definitely got an interest uh, just in, in my head I always get it mixed up with Observer <laughs> which uh, I, th- I believe they're two very different games of course quite different, um, I played that one too ah. <laughs> <laughs> but 
That's on Switch now, is it? I don't know. It, it should it be. It is, yeah. It is? It is. I thought so. That's the Rutger Hauer simulator. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes, that's uh, Andrew, you Rutger Hauer actually lived. <laughs> <laughs> Autobiography, yep. You interested in this one at all, Andrew? It looks interesting. Um, I want to get it someday. I don't see it ever dropping in price enough where I ever actually will. <laughs> uh, I'm not opposed to it. I just I I don't feel like playing it. It's it's definitely a sale one for me. Um, it's it's one yeah. I, I I'll probably enjoy a lot, but uh, I I just have that uh, mental thing of not wanting to <laughs> plump the full price for it. Uh, and Devolver's <laughs> games rarely go on sale for deep discount, so <laughs> yeah. Yeah, cool. So, did you finish it on PC, Toro? Got very close. It is very hard. Okay. Uh, is it? Would you recommend? I'd recommend it if you're very much into the whole cyberpunk aesthetic, because that's what drew me into it. Mm -hmm. um, the gameplay isn't unique enough to really make it a good game on its own. I think it's a sum of all the parts. So, the cyberpunk thing is probably the biggest draw. So I'd recommend it if you like cyberpunk. Okay, Tori, what are you playing in the coming week? I am looking forward to Min Min coming out Smash. I need my noodle girl. Uh, I don't think me nor Andrew have played uh, ARMS. Have you, Andrew? I played the demo that they put out before the game launched, and about 10 minutes of that demo convinced me this was... That it was not a game I was going to enjoy, so <laughs> that, that's about it. Uh, I've been thinking about picking it up since this announcement, but uh, yeah, I, I hadn't bothered, not even on any, any of the free weekends, unfortunately. Um, yeah, uh, so that's it, just the Min Min. I'll probably find something else to play as well, play some more Ruiner, try and finish it on Switch finally. Uh, cool. Uh, Andrew, what are you playing? Uh, there's not much coming out next week, at least not that looked interesting in the coming soon page in the eShop, so I'm t picking out something from the backlog. I've got a platformer called Sydney Hunter and the Curse of the Mayan that I've been wanting to play for a while. I'm probably going to look at that. Nice. Uh, I'm just going to keep going on with XCOM and Burnout in chunks. XCOM's just my thing at the moment. Uh, I've nearly finished Mutant Year Zero's DLC now as well. Uh, I finished the main game last week. Uh... Yeah, so that's it. Just keeping on, keeping on until uh, the new Paper Mario comes out. Oh yeah, next month. Not f not far off. Actually, probably a couple of weeks now. Mm, three weeks away. Three weeks. Yeah, Ho I'm hoping for uh, some more announcements like that from Nintendo, where it's just like, hey, this exists, and by the way, it's coming out next month. Like, I I, I love those short notice announcements. Do it for a Metroid game. Yes. I, I feel like it's uh, like the industry's worst kept secret that they've done Metroid Prime Trilogy and they're just hanging on to it for some reason. It would be a good filler release. Yeah, it just keeps coming up and like in, in the rumor mill and from people, you know, who are not who have been known to be correct before. So it's like you know, just just yeah. give it to us. People with I'd uncles in Nintendo. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking more investigative journalists, but <laughs> <laughs> same thing. Um, but yeah, so like that—that'd be a great one, just to drop drop on everyone. Hey, great news! This is out. Uh, yeah, so I think that's it. Mm -hmm.
so that's it thanks for listening to episode 117 of the end focus podcast if you enjoyed the episode please leave us a review on itunes it really helps us to get noticed you can also listen on stitcher spotify and other podcast services uh, make sure to check out our sister shows playstate uh, which is a playstation show and power of x which is an xbox show uh, they're with us as part of the game podular podcast network uh from which you can join our Discord server to interact with the lively Game Podular community. You can follow us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, and at GamePodular.com for updates, news, and other content. Uh, links for everything I mentioned will be in the show notes. If you want to support the network, you can buy us a coffee, or you can become a Game Podular Patreon. Still waiting for the first one. Uh, we're not using it to gate content or anything at the moment. It's just a think of it as a regular tips jar. Uh, if you want to throw us a dollar. Uh, once a month if you like what we do that would be very welcomed details for both those things are on our website thanks in advance uh, this episode was edited by Craig Windle and you can follow him at Craigity Craig on Twitter and you can also follow his music career at Windmills at Dawn uh, he's, this is the last episode he's editing for a while, he's taking time off to be a dad uh, so good luck with that Craig, we wish you all the best and we hope you train the kid up to be our next podcast editor, thanks. They've got a week to learn uh, yeah, he's uh, <laughs> we want the kid installed next week, thank you so yeah, he's he's been awesome, he's taken the, the burden off us for a lot of time over the the past couple of years so we've uh, been really appreciative um and uh we hope you come back because you've just burdened us by leaving thanks craig uh, <laughs> nah, seriously all the best and you can follow the rest of us individually on twitter uh, i'm at flame roast toast andrew is at play critically and tori is at you too that's stwtwo
Liam Neeson. Craig, that you can cut this out. We're giving you a lot of cutout bits this this time because it's your last one for a while. Sorry. Yeah, Cat thinks so too.